everyone, I'm Ari here with Rachel and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer Podcast. This week we're on episode 159 and we're asking, how do you turn a bad idea into a good idea? Before we dive into the topic, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening if you haven't already. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with friends and write a review. Okay, so I decided on this topic after I saw a Facebook post that was bemoaning so-called bad ideas. And I'll be honest, I don't actually remember what it was about. I know it wasn't about writing, but the author of the post was complaining that they'd just been having lots of bad ideas. When I think about bad ideas, it makes me think about like mistakes and failures and how often people complain about those too. And yet, when you make mistakes or you fail at something, it is a great learning moment good for growth. I know it's horrible when you're doing it, when you're failing miserably, it's awful. But when you look back, there is a good part of it. There's that part where you learn and you progress and you adapt. And I like to put bad ideas into the same vein. So we hear the term bad and we think, oh, there's a problem. But bad ideas can actually be the groundwork for good ideas. Probably losing people as I say that with like, no, no. But let's be honest, creativity moves and In my opinion, it moves in waves. You have those ups and downs. You know when you're at the top of your game and everything is just working, that's your up, and then you hit the down and everything goes wrong and nothing's going right and every idea is just like rubbish. And that's what it's like. You have good days, you have bad days, you have good ideas, you have bad ideas, and every idea isn't going to be perfect or even good. But just because you have bad ideas doesn't mean that you should automatically discard them. So either you've got bad ideas in your head and you just need to get them out so you can like clear a path for good ideas, or the bad ideas might just need to simmer and be reworked maybe at a later date. And they shouldn't automatically just be tarred with, oh my God, bad idea, discard. I actually like that how you say that creativity moves in waves because it really it really does. There are ups and downs to it, as you said, and you're obviously going to have those days where you feel like you can sit down at your laptop and you can really write and the words just churn out. And then there are other days where you just stare at that page and you're like, where was I going with this? What's supposed to happen next? I have zero ideas for this. And the thing is, I think we all kind of have ideas for that. I mean, we've talked about so many times where to find inspiration and where to find ideas for novels and things things like that. But we kind of already have these ideas. And it's just a matter of us recognizing what ideas are good enough for us to write. And I think a lot of that comes down to imposter syndrome, because we see all these other books on uh, shelves at the bookstores, and we see all the other writers making excellent progress on their own novels on social media. And we compare ourselves to those writers and to those big authors. And we're not doing that. We're not doing X, Y, and Z. So when we come up with an idea and we start writing it, and for some reason, it's just not clicking with our brains, or you read back a couple of paragraphs or a chapter, and you're like, oh, this sounds ridiculous. You just automatically assume it's a bad idea. No one will want to read it. And then you decide, maybe I should try writing another book. Maybe I should try changing the idea or coming up with something new. And I want to say that, yeah, as Ari said, they shouldn't be discarded, these ideas. I think one of the biggest pieces of writing advice that I've always agreed with ever since I started writing was that you should never delete your writing. Doesn't matter if that manuscript is never going to see the light of day. It's never going to get published or shared on the internet, don't delete it because there are some characters in there. There are some really good dialogue lines or description paragraphs that you can utilize in other stories for other ideas. 
Or maybe that manuscript wasn't supposed to be written at that time. And you might go back to that idea at a later date, rewrite it and have a brand new novel, more or less. And it might be a better idea than what you originally thought. So that kind of brings me into my point is when you feel like you have a bad idea, what you need to do is just rewrite, 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 research and plan out your idea and really zero in on it, focus on it. Where did this idea come from? Why was this idea important to you in the first place? So why did you even decide to write this idea? And remember why you started in the first place, where that idea came from, and then you may be able to rework it in your mind and tackle it from a different angle. That's a really good point. And something you said about like why you wanted to write it in the first place made me think of something. The question why is one of those really powerful questions. So you could write an idea and it could be that it's meh. You know, you've got one character and they're doing this, meh. So you ask why. Why are they doing this? Why do they need to go to this place? Why is that person stopping them from doing it? Why do they feel that that's the only option? And you ask these questions over and over. And what you might have is you start with this kind of meh idea that's kind of, you know, like a wet blanket. And by asking why and rewriting ideas over and over, like Rachel says, it kind of fluffs it up. Go back with the wet blanket. Fluffs up the blanket. <laughs> but what you get is you can often end up branching out. So you may have started with one character and a bit of a basic plot line and that's it. And you think that is such a bad idea. Looking around other books, look how complicated they are, how complex, how detailed, how thrilling they are to read. I've got this one line of plot and a character who's kind of two-dimensional. It's not going to work. Now, obviously, sometimes you start like that and you automatically think, yeah, I can fluff it out. I can build it up. I can make it more. And other times you look at it and the, just the feeling of it is that it's just bad and it's no point. Put it to us on side and start another novel, like Rachel said. Let's be honest, how often have we done that? I can attest to it because I have a lot of manuscripts hanging around, collecting dust, annoying me with that kind of pressure at the back of my head, like, we need to be written. Because I would do that. I would get bored. I would get stuck. I would not feel the same passion. And instead of pushing through and thinking, okay, well, what is missing? Why am I not passionate about this story anymore? Okay, it's missing complexity. It's missing deeper characters. I will work on that. I marked it as bad and moved on to something new. But you shouldn't. Research and planning and rewriting is exactly what you need. Asking questions to build it up is what you need. And as Rich said, if it doesn't work and you have to put it one side, put it to one side. Don't delete it because you can cannibalize. And I have cannibalized so many old stories to the point where what is left is just, it's not even bones, it's bits. To the point where, okay, I don't need any of that left. That's just the, the chum. We'll throw that away. I've already taken the best bit. And some of the stories I've gone back to to try and cannibalize and I actually thought, wow, that's actually a better idea now that I've looked at it months later. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll start that one. And hence I've started another story. Can I just interject yeah. <laughs> for a second? Everybody refers to their novels as their book babies and their children. And you just, you, you just told everybody to cannibalize. <laughs> oh my God. Yep. I leave nothing but the That's bones. All. I have nothing to add to that. I just needed to point out the fact that Ari is telling you guys to cannibalize your book babies. Yep. <laughs> that's all. They call me the piranha. <laughs> oh my. Oh, they should, because that's a really cool nickname. We're putting that on a t-shirt, guys. Mary Writer podcast merch coming in 2027. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm being really like, oh yeah, 2024. It's like 2027. To be fair, we'll blink and it'll be 2027, so. It really will be. It will be. But yeah. Okay, proceed. <laughs> With that said, let's think about it. Without bad ideas, 
how do you recognize good ideas it's like if you read a bad book and i'm not shitting on anyone at the moment but there are bad books out there or at least they're bad books for individual people because let's be honest somebody's five star is somebody else's one star so what makes something bad compared to good a lot of times it is subjective but how do you recognize a good idea if you don't have a bad idea to match it against so if you know that you can write something really great and then you start churning out something that's not that great. You can recognise that pretty easily. But who is it who decides it's a bad idea? Obviously yourself, and you'll have reasons for that. They'll be like markers that you put yourself against. Let's be honest, we do that, don't we? This is my favourite book. I'm mar- marking my own novel against it. It's like, that author's been writing for 30 years and have honed their craft, and you're on draft two of your first novel. Of course it's going to be bad compared to them. But let's think about this. A movie might tank because it's a bad idea. Or they might tank because the trend of movies has suddenly shifted and no one is interested in some epic sci-fi space opera and we've all started leaning deep into time-travelling dinosaur zombie movies. I would totally watch that. I just want to say that. So sometimes a so-called bad idea isn't actually something that we think about. It's decided on outside sources like the marketplace. I have seen writers and I have been one of these writers where I've been writing a, a story that I really, really like. And when I've talked about it to people, doesn't happen very often, I've heard, oh, that's not a big thing. Why aren't you writing, you know, add in specific genre trope? Because that's the new big thing. Like how every time Star Wars has a kind of resurgence, suddenly sci-fi becomes big again. Or, you know, you'll get the period dramas that do well or the horrors and it'll be, it'll kind of, there'll always be some that are up there, but there was a big arc where where the superhero stuff started being much more impressive and that's what everyone was liking and that was what was trending. So if you tried to bring out a vampire story or a werewolf story or a zombie movie, it probably wasn't going to do as well. Whereas if you'd have brought out a superhero movie, might have done better. And sometimes that outside source can make us doubt whether our stories or our ideas are actually that good. And then we kind of push down even worse. So it might not actually be a bad idea at all. It might be the outside sources pushing in, making us feel like it isn't because it's not on trend. No, I think that's a really good point because trends do dictate a lot of the market and the industry as a whole. And if you're planning on getting traditionally published, that's exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for books that obviously cater to their specific taste, depending on who's reading the manuscript. But they're also looking for books that go along with whatever trends are currently happening in the book industry or the market or whatever you want to call it. And I think... A lot of our Merry Writer listeners, I believe, are aiming to be self-published or they already are self-published. And that's a much more daunting task to keep up with the trends because you're doing everything yourself. You have to do the market research yourself. You have to do the marketing of the book yourself before, during, and after it's written, before, during, and after launch. And it's a really daunting task. And if you're not confident in your idea, then that's just going to make it all the more difficult. Because basically what it comes down to is that you can't please everybody. And we have mentioned this time and time again during this podcast. You're going to get some readers that give you five-star reviews. They'd give you 10-star reviews if they could. And then you're going to have those other readers that are going to give you negative five-star reviews because the book wasn't for them. Books are subjective and you need to be confident in your own idea and you need to be confident in your own writing style and recognize that somebody somewhere out there is going to enjoy your story. And Ari kind of touched upon this 
earlier that when you're comparing yourself to an author that has 30 books under their belt or they've been writing for 30 years or I can't exactly remember what you said and you're on draft two of your first novel, obviously, yeah, it's going to look like you're not as good of a writer as they are, but you don't write in their style. And also, you didn't see their first draft of their first novel. You didn't see their first draft of their 30th novel, which I'm sure was just as crap as the first draft of their first novel, because that's what a first draft is. It's crap. It's just you telling yourself the story. So if there are little bits and pieces of it that you're not feeling confident in, keep them, rewrite them, rework them, or just set them to the side and see if other ideas come to you. Because the bottom line is that you got to remember that there are no bad ideas, no quote unquote bad ideas. And you just need to recognize and know that your idea isn't fleshed out enough when you're facing that imposter syndrome. And a lot of times when you feel your novel or your manuscript isn't up to par with any of the other books that are on your shelf or at the bookstore, it could very well just be you not being confident in your own work. Or it could be that maybe that was a practice novel and it's time for you to write a new idea, which isn't really something we want to hear, but sometimes it happens. I like that you mentioned imposter syndrome because it makes me think about the fact that, like you said, there are no bad ideas. I'm assuming there could be some really horrific ideas where it's like, whoa, you need to be locked away for that. But we'll assume that there's no bad ideas. But I'll tell you what there isn't. There might be ideas that aren't great. And that could be because we have our old friend perfectionism creeping its way up again. So you could have an idea that's not great, but it's not bad. But because we have this idea, this constant, we need to be good, we need to be good, we need to be great, we need to build up, we need to wow our audience. I mean, how often do you see that? It's like, what's your book so different? Why Why should I read your book? You know, what's what makes you special and unique? And I've seen that. I've seen marketers go on about how, like, you have to show why your book is unique compared to somebody else's or your product is the unique and why do people need to buy it? And I think bollocks to that. And I'll tell you why. There are very few books out there that are so unique that it makes you sort of step back and go, damn, what the hell did I just read? I mean, we literally have a whole genre of retelling fairy tales, okay? So they literally take an old story and retell it in a different way. So yes, it's unique in its own way because it's, you know, been told differently. But at the core of it, it's got a foundation that has already been done. How many stories are there? The hero's journey, the quest, you know, the revenge. I mean, literally, you could boil all, all the novels down to like, I think, is it some like eight or 12 main concepts? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it doesn't have to be so unique that it blows people's minds. I mean, hell, you look at all the big readers and you, you go, say you went into the Goodreads and they say they're into fantasy because that's how I like reading fantasy. And you'll see the same fantasy books come up in all these different people's stuff. And why? They're the same things. People like the magic. People like the, the weird monsters. People like the different worlds. Just like the sci-fi people who love sci-fi. They're loving the, the you know, oh my God, there's a, a space station or a spaceship or a battle or something. It's like, yeah. And there's a million books with those things in them. They're not that unique. So well, what take Cozy Mystery, for example. <laughs> Every single Cozy Mystery book, you typically have a female amateur sleuth who is being accused of murder or her best friend is being accused of murder or her family member is being accused of murder. The head detective that is 
uh, investigating the case, they are some tall, dark, and handsome buff of a man, and the two of them get together. So there's that romantic undertones, and yet she's the one that solves the mystery, and he's apparently terrible at his job along with the rest of the police force because that's how it goes. She's the main character. She's got to be the one to win. But yeah, every single cozy mystery is like that. There may be baking, there may be coffee, there may be knitting or a book club, but they're all pretty much the same. And it's the same with movies. If you look through my like what my watch on my Netflix, most of them are very similar style movies. They they follow the same like four genres that I like. And that's what it is because people like what they like and a lot of times there's a comfort to it. You don't have to have this mind-blowing idea that sets you apart. Yes, there are writers out there who've done that. If you look at the big names in writing and you look at their stories, they're not so different from other stories. It might be that they just happen to hit the market at the right time. It might be that instead of marketing their book to young adults, they they did it to new adults or whatever. Maybe it was a short story. There was whatever it was that catapulted them up. It's not always, oh my God, they were the best writer ever or they had the best idea it could just be came out at the right time that's it that could be it or it just started the new trend everyone decided sci-fi was boring we're moving on to time traveling dinosaur zombies that's what came out and you grabbed and that's what it's like that is how it can be so the idea that you have to have this brilliant idea that that shocks people that you have to be so unique bollocks to it no, you don't. Just write what you like. Work with the stories you've got. If you have a bad idea, figure out why it's a bad idea. Share it with someone. Talk about it to your beta readers or your friends and say, this is the idea I've kind of got. And see what they say. They might be like, well, I kind of like the idea or, oh, I really like this. But what is this about? Why are you taking them over here? Why don't you make the romance more important? Or why don't you make the quest part more important? So it could be that you actually have a really good nugget of an idea and instead you're going, no, it's not very good. It's a bad idea. I'll throw it. When really you need to clean it off and look, it's gold. Now, I just want to add that every single book is just the same 26 letters rearranged in a different way. So just keep that in mind. All you got to do is rearrange those 26 letters in a bunch of different ways and bam, you got a book idea. That all. And it's unique. It Yeah, it is. It's as simple as that. Get some alphabet tiles, dump them out on your desk, and just start rearranging. There you go. Great wisdom from Rachel. I think so. This is why they listen to the podcast. <laughs> you have anything else to add or shall I wrap it up? Who's your favorite host? Let us know in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that could go very I'm badly. I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't the do very that. The very writer splits. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't do that. Nobody wants to fall out and never speak again. All right. All right. You know what? Let me ask. Whose nugget of wisdom is better? Don't answer that either. Because I know the answer. It'll be neither. (laughs) Yeah. It's like these two don't know what they're talking about. To be fair, nine times out of 10, we're we're usually going, I agree. I agree. So that is true. Yes. Or yeah, we're basically saying that's true. That's a good point. I concur. End of story. No pun intended. But yeah. Okay. I'm going to wrap this up. So... What is a bad idea? Is it even a bad idea? Think about what the, what the idea is. Put it to one side and let it simmer for a bit. Don't delete ideas because it might be something you can cannibalize. You can totally and utterly rewrite and rework an idea you've had. You can use research and planning and questions to build on an idea that might feel a bit meh at the beginning and then will surge up and it could be the next bestseller. You just don't know. Bad ideas are pretty good because once you've got them out your head, you leave way for new ideas. 
just because something feels like a bad idea, it honestly could be an outsource of like, that's not big in the marketplace. And you know what? I'm going to throw in this. Just because something isn't as popular at the moment doesn't mean there isn't a market for it. Doesn't mean there aren't readers for it. There are many writers out there who write very niche genres and it doesn't stop them from doing well. They just have a smaller, more condensed fan base. And that is fine. Obviously, if you want to be, you know, the next big thing, maybe that doesn't work. But there's a lot of writers who would be fine to have kind of a really strong, loyal fan base, even if it's smaller. So just because it's niche doesn't mean that it's bad, doesn't mean that it won't have a a sellable angle at all. Be aware that you might have imposter syndrome or perfectionism that is making you think an idea that could be reworked and made better is bad. And I cannot remember any of the other points we made, so just go back and listen to it if you want to recap, because I can't remember. Okay, with that said, let's turn it over to you guys. How do you feel about bad ideas? Have you had a lot of bad ideas? Let us know your answers in the comments so we can chat. Remember, we release new episodes every Wednesday. Next week, we're discussing how to organise multiple novels. To ensure you don't miss it, hit the subscribe button on your way out. And as always, thanks for listening to the Mary Writer Podcast. See you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Excessive Caffeine. We drink a lot. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.